If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that my wife and I experienced two miscarriages a little over a decade ago. This topic of miscarriage is one that I've actually wanted to touch on on the podcast for a long time and keep on hitting barriers. I've had guests that were supposed to come on and share their stories, but something came up and changed it. And even in today's episode, we experienced so many barriers to being able to talk. This was our third attempt to connect. And when we finally were able to connect, her computer wouldn't connect. And when her computer finally connected, it stopped connecting. And if you know me, you know one thing I often say is, if there are challenges keeping a conversation from happening, it must be an important conversation. And I really believe that this one is. Miscarriage is a topic that is often not talked about, but is too often experienced. In fact, there's a high likelihood that there are people within your circle that have experienced miscarriage and you might not even know about it. My hope is is that if you've experienced a miscarriage, Veronica's story will be encouraging to you. And if you haven't experienced miscarriage in your life, that this will help you to know how to better love those who are on that hard journey. Because when we talk about healing, being able to process such hard things as miscarriage is an important step in finding that healing. You're listening to episode 93 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I thank you that you work even when other things don't, when computers don't work, when Bluetooth doesn't work, when the internet's not working, you work. And so we thank you that that is true in this conversation. We just want to really believe and claim that you are going to be present and active. And to that end, we want to just invite you to speak. We want to invite you to guide our words, guide our thoughts, because the trouble that we face trying to even get into this conversation makes us believe that you may have something really important in this conversation ahead. So we thank you for that. We celebrate you now in light of that, and we can't wait to see how you work. Let's pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful prayer. We have had quite a journey. We've tried a few times to connect. And the last time I had a migraine all day and we were like, we were ready to go. And then the migraine just took me out. So we've had a lot of things stopping us from connecting. And so I'm excited for this conversation. But Veronica, before we start, one of the things that I like to do with guests is give them an opportunity in a very brief and fun way to share who they are. And I say fun because I try to come up with random prompts about how they can share themselves. And so this is the random prompt that popped in my head. Have you ever seen the show Shark Tank? Unfortunately, I have not. (laughs) I have not either. But (laughs) uh, I don't know why this is what popped in my head. But it's the show where people come in and they have these great ideas, these inventions. And there are investors there that are hearing their pitch. And then the investors decide whether they want to support that idea or not. So your prompt is this. There is a new version of Shark Tank on where it's people that are presenting themselves as being a new friend or a new connection with this person. And so you've got the investors there and you're hearing you come up and you're basically presenting yourself really quickly and you're trying to inspire them why you would be a good friend, what makes you special. So they're saying, all right, Veronica, we want to hear your pitch. Why should we be your friend? What do you say to the Shark Tank investors about who you are? Yes, you should be my friend because I am compassionate. I'm a good listener. I won't judge you in our conversation. And you will be valued 
And you will always know that I am here and that I see you and that I am present in our conversation and our relationship as friends. I love it. All of them are like, reach out there. I want to be your friend. So success. The show was a hit. It was the grand finale. Uh, <laughs> so Veronica, I don't know a whole lot about you. I don't know a lot about your stories, but I do believe that God connected us. And so, you know, one thing we know is that we connected when I'm in the midst of this healing series, even before we started, we kind of touched base on a few things, but where I want to start is when you think about this topic of healing, when you've been thinking about this conversation, is there something that God's already been kind of bringing up in your heart that can maybe start our dialogue? Yes, there's several things in my life journey that I had to rely on God for healing and unbrokenness. One significant topic would be when I had a miscarriage. Not only when I had the miscarriage, I was about 22 weeks, so almost halfway Mm. to um, delivery when my husband and I had a miscarriage. And from there is where my healing began. And there's so many emotions for the husband and for the wife when you lose a child. Not only that, when you lose a baby, I was hurt. I was at a loss. I wondered, what did I do? Was it my fault? Was it my past? Was it something that I did? What was going on? Because my husband and I, we had been married for about five years. And let me just preface this. I had two miscarriages. So some of the stories may combine (laughs) in thought because of the significance of it. But there was a time when I had a miscarriage. I was about 22 weeks pregnant. I was at a loss. I was at a loss. I felt like there was a fog. I thought to myself, this couldn't possibly be happening. You know, again, what's really wrong with me? But the more I began to pray and to hear God, what he did for me, and getting me healed is through my conversation through prayer because of course prayer is just a conversation with god you know um and depends on where you focus at as well sometimes i'm prostrate laying out with something just so tumultuous in my life there's times when i might just be waking up and just give him thanks yeah. for just waking me up in the morning and then there's times when i might just be on my knees the way that i learned to pray when i was a child And what I prayed and asked God to help me heal, to help me get through this process, what I heard him say to me is that you are only in your storm for as long as you allow yourself to be. Hmm. I didn't understand what that was, but the more I began to read the Bible and commit to a dedicated devotional time to really hear God in this storm, I began to know what he was saying. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit is our comforter, right? He's the one that go on our behalf to Jesus as well as to the Lord on our behalf. When we don't find the words to pray or to say or to utter. And I remember just hearing the word out of that is that the sooner you give it to me, the sooner you can begin your healing. And I had to let go and let God arise in me so that whatever the backlash or the fault that was going to happen with being hurt and being distraught, 
confused, not understanding, but trying to understand, having a, already being a person that had a strong relationship with God. I was brought back to, you can't give up on God. Mm. You know, he is the one. He hasn't let you go. So don't ever think that he's not with you now. Mm -hmm. So I had to remember that he was here with me and that he wanted me to turn it over. And what it was to turn over was the blame game that comes out of grief, mm -hmm. the shock so that I can move on. So many times when we're in that state of shock and grief, we get stuck and we can't move on. And so he took me through all the seven processes of grief. It wasn't going to happen all instantaneously, but what he was really sharing with me is that your storm is getting through all of the processes of this storm and surrendering it to me to help me get you through this so that you can come out on the other side which is to be whole again. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all that because miscarriage is one of those hard topics. We don't talk about it often, but it also happens often. There are so many people that have experienced miscarriages, but because of the stigma around the topic, we often feel like we have to navigate that alone. Is that something that you two experienced? Was loneliness a piece of that or a sense of like, there's not many people I can talk about this to? How, what was that like for you? I didn't experience not being able to talk about it. My husband was with me when we had to go through this process. We immediately called our family to tell them. We didn't really wait because we're very close with our family. Yeah. And we have yeah. prayer warriors as our family. This particular time... I want to say that the day that we found out that I was going to have to have a miscarriage and that was when they were going to have to take the baby. Mm -hmm. It was a fog. I had gotten sick. We went to the doctor. You know, we had to go through the processes of everything else to figure out a day that they could do it immediately mm -hmm. because my husband and I were expecting to take a flight to California for the holiday. Wow. And so they did allow us to go on that trip. I also had a miscarriage at home, and that was very devastating for me. Yeah. Very, very devastating. Unexpected, but we shared it with our family. Mm -hmm. We told our family we were able to spend some time with our family. I think how I got out of it is we also had to go to church, mm -hmm. and I believe it was a little bit after New Year's. We had gone to a service. I wasn't going to go, but I went. And I'm an introvert, but I like people. Mm -hmm. I can be an extrovert when I need to be. But when it's at church during those years, I am there compassionately for others. I'm there to be there to be the support. But now I was on the other side. Mm -hmm. And there came time for a testimony. I wasn't the first one to get up. But before I knew it, I had stood up. And I was like, oh, my goodness, now I'm up. People see me. I got to do it. And that's when I gave the testimony. And that was the night that I received from God. The sooner you turn this over to me or you surrender this to me, you're only in your storm as long as you allow yourself to be. The sooner you turn it over to me, the healing will begin. Yeah. And that moment, I had to give a testimony and I shared with them what we had gone through. I shared what I just said. 
after this service, you would have thought I was an Oprah Winfrey <laughs> because so many women, and this was uh, like an hour or so after I even spoke, came to me, embraced me, hugged me, thanked me because they were all women that had been suffering in silence about their miscarriage. And so they said the way that I gave my testimony encouraged them and gave them strength to move on and to grow in their relationship with God a lot more that they might find healing. You know, there was a woman that had a miscarriage 24 years prior, never had any more children and been holding on being angry with God. There was another for 13 years and another for 10. And then it was some that recently had had one as well. And my testimony was an encouragement to them to keep moving forward. Don't let what has happened to them get them stuck to not move forward and believe that God would bless them either to have children or to adopt or to even foster children. There's so many ways to have children Mm -hmm. um, with technology and the science. So I was just there. I saw that God was using me, even in my fearfulness to be a vessel that could be used to share my story to help someone else, even in my fear. Yeah. Well, what I love about that is the state that you were in, like you said, was there is fear. There is a lot of healing that you needed. And you talked about how you just suddenly found yourself getting up. It wasn't even necessarily a decision you were making as much as there was something prompting, which you and I know was God and the sphere working within you. And what came from that wasn't simply sharing a story, but not only did your healing come and God gave you a word that was exactly what you needed to hear that you might not have been ready to hear prior to that step of obedience. But there are so many people, like you said, that were suffering in silence because they hadn't been able to really process this in a healthy way. They didn't know how to, they didn't know how to talk about it. And hearing somebody else say the words that they longed to say brought healing to them. So here you are in the audience longing to be healed. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to heal you. I'm also going to do abundantly more. I'm going to heal a mess of people around you that you don't even know are suffering. And that's what's so beautiful about how God works. Like we have our ideas of what healing needs to be and what it looks like. And God sees that. It's like, that's so small compared to what I want to do. So I love that about your story. And what I also love is this idea, you mentioned it a couple of times where the word that God gave you was about this storm and you only really have to experience the storm as long as you want to (laughs) be stuck in the storm. And the image that it evoked in my mind is, you know, there are several passages in scripture about storms, but the one specific one it put in my mind is the one where the disciples were convinced they were going to die. And they're throwing things overboard. They're, you know, they're fishermen on that boat. They know what to do. They also know when to be afraid. So they're not going to be easily frightened. So if they're fearful of death, this had to be a bad storm. And then they're like, where's Jesus? What is Jesus doing? He's taking a nap, (laughs) right? Somehow he has such a solid understanding of who God is and what God can do that he knew he didn't have to fear death. Meanwhile, the disciples know exactly how deadly this storm is. And so their logic says Jesus should be doing something. The reason I feel like that stood out to me so much and maybe why God brought it to my mind is in these hard situations, it can be easy for us to write off or to try to ignore or to try to push past or to try to fix 
the hard things around. But often it's like in a way that we want to pretend like it's not as bad as it is. We'll offer platitudes that it's like, oh, just be happy. God's got you. God's good. And, and God is good. And God does have us. But sometimes we will try to minimize the storms. And Jesus wasn't napping because there was no storm. There was a storm. He just knew who God was and who he was to such an extent that he had no fear within him. What God invited you into is the recognition that you were in a storm. Miscarriage is hard. My wife and I experienced too. I have a number of friends, even as recently as several in the past year or so, who have had miscarriages. And it is always hard, always heartbreaking, always painful, always a very intense storm. And yet God is God and God is good in the midst of that. And so when God gave you that word, what did it look like for you to go from being fearful of the storm to getting to a place of freedom from the storm? Well, one thing is I had to recognize the calling that God had on my life was bigger than me. Hmm. And even in the midst of me being able to share, that was my epiphany or my aha moment is that every storm we go through in life, no matter what it is, it can be the miscarriage, it can be the loss of a loved one, a car accident, it could be anything. It could be a bad relationship, anything like that. When you experience it, it's not really just for you. Hmm. That's the big aha moment out of it all. Because down the line, there's going to be someone just like you that you're going to have to share your story to let them know that there is healing on the other side. I may not look like what I've been through, but trust me, it wasn't easy. Mm -hmm. But I had to stay anchored in God. And so what that looked like for me and my staying anchored is that I had to continue a consistent prayer life. I had to create and develop a time to set aside for devotion so I can hear God through his word. And then even in my brokenness or my pain, I had to pause and truly pray to God. Every feeling that I felt, every pain, every tear, all of that, he will wipe all those tears away. They will go away. But he didn't say it was going to be easy. Mm -hmm. And when it's not easy, we have to go through every one of the processes of grief. And that is what happens. You can't speed it up. You're in it for as long as you need to be so that you can move on. Mm -hmm. But you got to know that God can reach way down and pick up all of that brokenness and put you on the potter wheel and mold you and shape you back into wholeness again. Mm -hmm. Might feel broken now, but in due season, Galatians 6 and 9, you know, in due season, we will be what we sow. You know, the anxiety, the anger, the pain, all of that, God will put it back together for you. But I think the biggest piece out of everything that we go through in life, it's not really for you. There's going to be someone along the way that you meet on that journey that is going to need your compassion, your understanding. They need you to pray for them. They need you to be an intercessor on their behalf. They need you to just give them strength, give them encouragement so that they might find strength in their going through. Yeah. You know, it's funny, like we can understand that concept of God doing something beyond us, 
when we're thinking of it outside of us. Like we love stories, redemptive stories of someone who is in a hard situation and then they changed the lives of many. Like we love hearing about those stories. We love celebrating those stories. If we know someone who went through a hard thing and then God used it, we'll speak encouragement into them. But we don't want <laughs> to be the ones to have to go through that, to go through a hard thing for the sake of someone else at our gut level. And I feel like that's why it's so important that Jesus emphasized this notion of dying to self, because it's not like we don't want people to be impacted in a positive way, but it's that our self-preservation can sometimes be a little stronger and we just desire security. We desire safety. We desire comfort. We desire good things. And then we'll hold to those tight things when Jesus is like, I want you to die to all that because I'm inviting you to love God and love others. And if you love yourself more than the rest, like you're not going to get there. But if you trust me in this, if you die to self, you will find full life. And what's so beautiful is in your story, you have found a fuller life on this end of it than you had on the front end. And on the front end, this is what's crazy is you really felt like you had a strong relationship with God. In fact, it sounds like you did have a strong relationship with God. And sometimes in these hard moments, when we are feeling grief, when we are feeling frustration, when we are feeling pain, we can question our faith. We can question our relationship with God because surely if my faith is strong, if I had a good relationship with God, I wouldn't be feeling these negative things. What you've demonstrated is even those with the strongest faith, the strongest connections with God still feel the depth of the brokenness of humanity, the depth of pain that they still feel grief because that's a part of the brokenness of this life in this world. But the reality of the wholeness of God and the goodness of God is how he can carry us through it. And he can take us from what we thought was a strong relationship to something even stronger, what we thought was full life to something even fuller. And then he goes above that and not just does it for us, but does it for those around us who are walking with us, who are hearing our stories. Yeah, I just, I love that story of God prompting you to get up and sharing your story and so many people being impacted because you're right. This is beyond us. This is beyond you. And what would those lives of those women have looked like after that night if you had not been going through what you were going through? If, you, if God had not invited you to trust him in that space, God knows a lot more than we do. And it doesn't, somebody could hear that and say, well, did God cause the miscarriage? Why didn't God just fix things the other way? And why didn't, and these are hard questions, but I think what's helped me is to think less of God doing things to us and more of God inviting us into things. And so this miscarriage happened to you. And then God gave an invitation. Will you trust me in the midst of this storm? Will you go where I invite you to go? And when you did, <laughs> abundantly more than you could ask or imagine was the result. Yes. And one thing about it is we have to realize no matter how strong we are in our faith, God is not a respecter of person. And we could not be true worshipers and true witnesses if we didn't go through. Mm -hmm. And even when we're going through the hardest part is not wanting to go into isolation. Isolation is what kills us. Isolation is what hurts us and keeps us stuck. Because when we go through, some of us that are introverts or whatever we like, we're not willing to share and whatever, we want to keep it to ourselves. 
but it does no one any good, not even yourself to keep it to yourself. And that was another thing that I learned in that. But we have to realize that for those of us that have faith, we have to continue to rely on our faith. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a support system. A support system is probably some of the reasons, too, that allowed me to get through what I got through. Because God always know in advance what you need, mm -hmm. even before you go through it. And he sends the right type of people tailor-made for your personality and your character that you will receive them. And that is so important. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to when you talked about the disciples on the boat. That's such a great story because Jesus was like, I said, we're going on the other side. <laughs> you could just stop, yeah. you know? Yeah. Didn't you hear what I said, you know? And that's the same thing. I'm from California. I'm from the hip hop age. <laughs> and there was a song years ago, when God say move, you move, right? You don't hesitate. But there's a growth process for that. For those that are non-believers and those that are growing in their faith, it's a process. And we that feel that we might be a little stronger, we have to have mercy. We have to have compassion. And that's empathetic compassion. Not to beat up another individual's process and not to slow it down, but to let them grieve, but continue to be encouragement and the encourager to allow them to move forward. But it's in their timing until they get it. All of us as Christians, all of us in our lifetime, we all have to have a Damascus Road experience that keeps us moving, mm -hmm. get us going. You know, we just have to stay girded up in the word of God and continue to just stay anchored in him. Yeah. You know, you, there's some really powerful things in what you just said. And most notably, you're right. We do have this tendency to try to rush people through the process. And it's because oftentimes we think that the end goal is that the person wouldn't be hurting anymore, that there wouldn't be pain or hardship anymore. And that makes logical sense. When really God's goal is he is actually not trying to get rid of our pain. He's trying to make us a new creation. And in fact, sometimes, as you noted, it's that struggle that actually gets us there. Because the truth is, all Christians are more than happy to follow God when things are good. <laughs> when things get hard, that's when it really starts to test our faith and resolve to actually make God God. When God walks with us through these hard seasons, he gives us the opportunity to actually mature and grow, to be able to say, I do not like what you're allowing to happen, God, and yet I will still choose you. And when you mentioned that reality that Jesus said, we're going to the other side, and if they actually trusted Jesus, then they would have been able to say, okay, well, I guess no matter what storms ahead, if Jesus said, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. They could have even gotten to the point where it's like, wow, the boat's capsizing. But if Jesus said, we're going to get there, then he must have some way and it made me think of another story in scripture where a child was almost lost, and that's Abraham and Isaac. Abraham knew God's character and his promise so deeply, this promise that Abraham would have a child and would have nations of children come from him. He knew it so deeply that when God said, I want you to go and sacrifice Isaac, he went and did it. Did he want to kill the son that he had been longing for for so long? No. Did he understand why God was asking him to do it? No. And we don't know exactly what emotions were going through. But what we do know is that he so trusted God that he moved forward, believing that surely God knows what he's doing. He has some way, even to the point of lifting up the blade, right? 
I do not understand how this is good. I do not understand how this is good for me or my child. I do not understand how God is going to work through it, but I believe in God so much. I trust God so much that I will go as far as he's calling me to go, believing that he has another way. And God did. He brought a go to battle, right? We look at our situations and we want to eliminate the pain. We want to avoid the hardships. We think that's the solution. And God's like, I want you to learn how to trust me in the storm. I want you to learn how to believe in me and my promises so deeply that you'll keep going in whatever direction I say, even if it looks like guaranteed death. Mm -hmm. This topic is so important because again, like I mentioned at the start, so many people experience miscarriages and it hits on a very deep level because this is, it's your child. <laughs> For some people, it's their first child. They've been looking forward to this. They've been, they've already got the crib. They've already started to tell people close to them. They made a video or they got really excited. They're made, they've got a name and like you are investing your heart into someone very real that you are longing to meet and you don't get to meet them. It's very disappointing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when someone learns to trust God in that type of a space, and I've got a question for you that's now popping my head. When somebody learns to trust God in that heartbreaking of a space, it changes their relationship with God in such a way that they could not have gotten there just through reading the Bible more or praying more. There's something different. So my question for you is how does your relationship with God look different now because he walked with you through that struggle? It strengthens your trust in him. You take him at his word. Mm -hmm. He's a lot of things, but he is a miracle worker. Because we're miracles when we can walk through something that we have no idea how we're going to come out on the other side. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is for all of us to say, Lord, you know, I'll do this. I'll do that. Lord, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve you to the day I die. A storm hit. And that is your test. Are you going to really serve him till you die? Are you going to faint in your face because the storm came? Are you going to decide that now, God, I'm mad with you? Mm -hmm. You have to take God at every area of your life. The good, the bad, the ugly, the not so good. Because what God ultimately is doing when we go through these storms, he's pruning us. He's purging those things that are not like him. And he's building us up. And he's creating and developing us to be in his image. Yeah. And his pure image, because sometimes we've always wavered. Sometimes we waver and we don't really know that we waver. But when we go through a storm, we know whether we're going to, that's our test, whether we're going to waver or we're going to fall, or are we going to really just trust God as his word? Are we going to really know that there is healing? It may not look like it right now, but God, I know it's healing. That's why we have to speak those things as they were. Mm -hmm. I, I'm hurting right now, but I'm going to say, I know things are going to get better. Yeah. And one thing that I experienced to know is that things are going to get better. There's healing on both sides. Things are going to get better if God heals you here on earth. And then you can walk again and you can tell others about that healing. Mm -hmm. But then there's also healing on the other side where you no longer have to go through the earthly pain. Mm -hmm. But now you're heavenly bound and you're with him himself. Yeah. And then there you're, they are meeting him. And now you're singing with the angels. You're on another assignment. Yeah. And you reach the place where you're going to get your crown. 
And so I look at that as well as all of our storms sometimes lead to those unopened packages or presents that God has available to us. And they come within a season. For me, I know I got a whole lot of dusty ones there. (laughs) So I'm going to have to go through a whole lot or I'm going to have to do a whole lot to make sure that he can dust them off and find me fit to receive them so that I won't have room to receive them. It's just a culmination of seeing God in your storm and knowing that he's going to see you through it and trusting him when you go through a test and not waver and not give up and not lose sight that who's your source and who is your resource. He is both of those to us and he's accessible and it allows us to activate the power within us. And I say that from Ephesians 4.20, that we can ask anything. He will give us more than we can think or ask or even imagine. And then there's a comma there, the power within us, mm-hmm. you know. And so going through storms activate God's power. But the premise of Ephesians 4.20 is that God is in us. And his power can always be activated. And we hold the key to it being activated. It's such an important part that we leave out too often is the because of the power at work within us. And that verse is so relevant here because as you're talking, you know, you made the statement that things will get better, but we can think of that in a very simplistic way. We can think of what our better looks like, but that verse says abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Like, so our better is nothing compared. God's better is better than our better, right? So God, if I have to go through this, I'm willing to go through it. Yeah. Even with the pain and the tears, and even with all the heartache, the disappointment, the frustration, all of that. Yeah. You know, and God always often lets us know that it's not really about us. Some things that we go through in life really isn't about us. Yeah. The journey that we take really isn't about us. It's about what he wants to do in and through us as vessels to help someone else along the way. Yeah. And and so we just have to make sure that we see God in everything around us. Yeah. In everything. Yeah. Yep. It's an act of faith and trusting that he actually is good, even if we can't see it right now. And it's like, you know, when we think of something is good, a situation, we decide it's good if the good outweighs the bad. And so another way of putting what you were just sharing is, If we are in a bad situation and we want to believe that God is good, then how much good must that mean is up ahead if it outweighs what I think is hugely bad, right? How exciting is that actually? If man, this is the worst thing ever and I believe that God is good, that means what he has in store must be really great to outweigh this. For him to allow this must mean he has something amazing. And that's an opportunity for excitement in the midst of the pain. And that's why we can endure through the night, but there's joy in the morning. Yeah, yeah. We got to realize that we may go through, but on the other side, God has the healing. A lot of times we have to ask ourselves when we're going through, it's just almost like what God asked in the Bible like to the man that laid there that said, well, Jesus, they, everybody passed by. They wouldn't help me. And he said, take up your bed and walk. And so oftentimes I look at even in our storms, God said, do you really want to be healed? then do this, do that. But the problem is we don't stay there long enough for him to speak to us, which is in our prayer life. A lot of times we're so quick. We're in this microwave age. (laughs) We don't want to wait. But sometimes 
good things come to those who wait. Yeah. The waiting may be five or 10 years, but did it really have to be five or 10 years? What did you not do to allow it to come in the season that God deemed it to be? Well, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. We've barely scratched the surface on this topic and on what we've just talked about. We could just keep on talking and talking and talking about it. But we have already expressed that we were up early with kids. <laughs> and, it's yes. like, and so I want to leave us with two simple questions. The first is, if people wanted to engage with anything that you're doing, anything that you've created, how can they connect with what you're doing? Yes, individuals can connect through Alliance Seminars Coaching on Facebook, through our website, Alliance Seminars, one word, dot O-R-G. We're right there. You can reach us there and we'll be accessible. We're willing to help. We help those that are engaged and those who I like to say are in relationships that need a little bit of a tune-up. Are, that are going through some things. And when you're going through, you might have a little hiccup and need the tuning. <laughs> we also do workshops and we facilitate leadership workshops as well as women, men, and youth workers workshops as well. So we're here to help empower anyone to navigate life. That's great. My last question is very simple. Is there anything else on your heart or mind that God's put there that you want to share before we go? encourage anyone that has had a miscarriage, know someone that has a miscarriage. If you are a couple and you experience a miscarriage, realize both spouses go through the same emotions. I think a lot of times the men get left out. Everyone wants to gravitate to the woman. But as the wife, it's important that you connect emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually with your husband. Don't isolate him. Let him into what you're going through and find compassion and empathetic compassion to hear what he's experiencing as well. To anyone that experiences it, isolation is not the solution. Find the resources out there that can help you. I met someone just a, a month ago who has an organization just for women who have had miscarriages, going through loss. I'm here as well with my experience as a minister to help you navigate through the grief and the process. I'm also here as a master life coach to help you navigate any struggles that you may experience where you feel stuck finding strategies and tools to get unstuck. And what a great time, a few days into 2022, to have a new mindset and to renew your relationship with Christ, as well as to set new goals that are attainable. That includes Christ so that you can have a little bit more peace or a little bit more solitude or a better understanding how to get through the things for 2022, leaving 2021 behind. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. You're healed, you're clean. Go out, tell the people what you've seen. Revived in him, new life in him. I've shared a few times this season that I had the privilege of being able to share on an Atheist versus Christian podcast called The Bible Says What. And when I was on this podcast, one of the core stories that I shared was the story of our miscarriages. 
And that might seem odd. But when I thought of the core question that could be asked of me on an atheist versus Christian podcast, namely, why do I believe in God? This is the reason why. Now, I believed in God before the miscarriages, and I believed in God for many reasons. But our experience having a miscarriage was one of the most formative moments in my spiritual life. It was a painful period of time. It was a difficult period of time. It was a confusing period of time. But I found myself with a unique opportunity to choose God when I didn't want to choose him. To choose God when it didn't make sense to choose him. To choose God when it seemed like it could cost me so much and I had already lost so much. And when I accepted that invitation, something changed. Something significant changed in my understanding of God, my understanding of myself, my understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. And this change is actually part of an ongoing journey, but it has shaped my mentality of how God is God and God is good in any given situation. If you have experienced miscarriage or know someone who has, you know that it is heartbreaking and painful. And there's nothing that someone can say to suddenly make everything better. And these are the moments in life that really test our resolve to follow God. Because as many have questioned before, if God is powerful, if he is God, then why did he not stop this from happening? And if God is good, why did he let this happen? And so somehow to believe that God is God and God is good is to hold in tension our understanding of the situation and what we think is right and what should happen with the reality of what God chooses to allow to happen and to believe in the midst that he is still powerful and loving despite what we see as bad. Losing your child feels bad in every way. And this is why the story of Abraham and Isaac struck me so deeply because Abraham longed for that son. Abraham was promised that son, and then he was faced with the utter loss of that son. There is no way back from being sacrificed. His son, as far as he knew, was going to be dead at the end of that journey. And yet, Abraham, for some reason, chose to believe that God was God and that God was good and worthy of utter obedience. This is a hard, hard thing. But I hope what you hear in Veronica's story, but also in her voice and in how she's even understanding and processing life now, is that God has brought her somewhere from that miscarriage. He has not only done something in her and her life and transformed her in ways that she might not have anticipated years ago, but God also transformed the lives of others who experienced miscarriage themselves and others that Vanessa knows nothing about that didn't come up to her after that, but that were impacted because of that story. God is up to abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And because we can't ask for it, we can't imagine it, we can't know what's ahead. When we are in the darkest moments like experiencing a miscarriage, everything that we could ask or imagine often looks nothing like what ends up happening, what God ends up doing. But God is up to abundantly more. He is seeking to show his love and if he is allowing something hard to happen, if he isn't stopping something bad from happening, it could be because the abundantly more is so abundantly more 
that he knows that it will be worth it. Again, this is hard because we would never say losing our child is worth it. So we're being invited to step into attention here of being aware that the loss of a child is a deeply heartbreaking thing and that God not stopping it doesn't negate his power and goodness. And we will not be able to walk that tension simply by our logic or our positive outlook. We walk that tension by taking singular steps of faith. When I had that moment of realization after our first miscarriage that God is God and God is good, everything didn't immediately get better. For six months, I struggled with depression. Yet I was given an invitation to practice singular steps of faith, to step towards God even if I couldn't understand him, to step towards him even if I didn't want to. And little by little, those singular steps of faith carried me from the heartbreak of miscarriage to understanding God's love for me in a deeper way than I had ever known before. God wants you to know his love. So wherever you are right now, consider what a singular step of faith towards him could look like. Take it and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the person who doesn't want to read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com slash revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free, get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash Where Did You See God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God? <laughs>